This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, Genesis 1, and then talking about a little bit about spiritual laws, just to let us understand some things. I'm just going to tell you right, it's going to be really good tonight. This will help every one of us. Anytime I get over on this stuff, it stirs me up on the inside. So we begin, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Now, the image like refers to the qualities of of reason, personality, intellect, even the capacity to relate, to see, and to speak. And when he says that, that's how we are with God. So we're made in the image of God. He goes on to say, according to our likeness, let them, mankind... Have dominion, one translation says, complete authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and all over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Over all the earth. So mankind, when we read this, was created to rule the earth. We were called to be king, God's kingdom agents right here. And he said, I give you dominion. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Didn't say he cursed them. He said God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, nowhere in this passage did he say, let life circumstances run over you. Nowhere in this passage did he said that you can't do anything about certain things. And so oftentimes, people have this mentality almost, whatever will be, will be. But the Lord said, I've given you dominion. And that's for all of mankind was what that prayer was for. So literally, I read into this, and I believe the Lord was saying, anything or any time life gets out of line or out of order, I give you permission, I give you dominion, I give you authority to put it back into line and to put it back into order. Now, I couldn't do any of this if I didn't have the authority And the ability to do that. Well, I believe right here, God's telling every one of us, I give you permission. And I think at times the Lord would say, and P.S. Don't lay down and quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And many people, when life gets difficult, you know what their thought is? Oh, I guess this is the will of God. But wait a minute. He said, have dominion, subdue it. And so I read into that and think, man, that's me to this day. And oftentimes in my life when things aren't going well, you know what the Lord will say to me? He'll say, don't put up with that. I've given you authority. Turn a couple pages to Genesis 2. Now, as you're turning there, we, sh- we should never be pleased to live or to, w- to dwell on the level that we're living in right now. God doesn't want us to stay where ours is at. God's always intended us to, to move forward. 
He doesn't want us to, to do less or to be unfaithful stewards with the life that he's entrusted us. He said, here. So we look at Genesis 2, verse 15. So the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Now some of the translations there says to dress it and to keep it. One translation says guard it and protect it. Now here's a real interesting on the word tend. It literally means to cultivate it. Now I used this example the other day. I, I tinker around and I garden every year. I kind of like to do those things. And my granddaughter really loves it. But I, I don't have a lot of of plants and stuff. My yard isn't big, so I have a couple tomatoes, a couple peppers, and just stuff like that. But I found out that when it comes to cultivating, it's very easy to, to, just, to just scratch the surface. And you know, you can go down about that deep. And you can plant some carrots, and I will tell you, they'll come up. And they'll have a little bit of, of green coming out of them. But the issue is that when you pull those carrots out, they're they're messed up. They're about that long, about that wide. You know why? They couldn't go down in the ground. Why would it happen? Because when I cultivated it, I did what was easiest. But if I'll dig deep, and when I think about the word cultivate, that's a daily thing. That I'm either preparing the soil and I go deep to plant it. I begin to water it. I begin to watch over it. And so in this sense, he's telling me and you, you're going to have to cultivate it. And that means on a daily basis. He goes on to say, verse 16. And the Lord commanded. He warned the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. And so he's saying to, to Adam in a sense, Adam, do you get this? Do you understand? I'm putting borders, I'm putting perimeters around you. And if you do what I ask you to do, your life will be well. But if you get outside those perimeters, which is your choice, it won't be well. You got it? And I believe Adam said, I got it, God, I got it. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, one of the reasons I read this, because we're going to jump into what happens when he has uh, Eve as his wife. But what's interesting leading up to this, if you would start in Genesis 1 and read all the way up to this point, on seven, on seven different occasions, God would say, he did this and God said, and it was good. And he did this and it was good. And he did this and it was good. And seven times. But he gets to this place with man and he says, not good. Not good. So I'm going to create for him a helper. Someone comparable, a companion. And remember in, in Genesis 1, he said, I made male and female in my image. That's interesting, that's how God made us. And this is off the subject a little bit, but it wasn't just for companionship. Man, it is for unity, it is for the prayer of agreement. And again, when you read this and you begin to see in the Bible, 
Adam was on the earth a long time before Eve came. I don't know how long, but just reading into it, he was here long enough to name all the animals. Now, we could go around the room. We could start naming animals, and I'll guarantee we'd leave some out. You forgot the raccoon. You think about this, all the fish. Can you imagine naming all the fish? We wouldn't get very far at all. And so in looking at that, the birds, the reptiles, everything. He was there naming. He'd see the, the kangaroo, and he said, uh-huh, kangaroo. Dr- dr- yeah, that's how. And so he was busy for a while. And in all that time, the devil never messed with him. The only time the devil messed with him is when woman came on the scene. Now, I don't, I don't quit. Don't lie. I'm not meaning that ugly. Stinking women. It shows me. Again, he does not like that, guys. And it's very noticeable in our society right now. He knows that if he can tear up the infrastructure of the marriage of the family, he's got us. I still believe that. That's why he goes after your marriage so hard. Okay, that has nothing to do with tonight. So go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent, who's the serpent? The devil. That's the devil, okay? The snake. He was more cunning or craftier or shrewd than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So think about here. Here's Adam. He's been in the garden all this time. And all of a sudden, Eve comes on the scene. And he goes after the woman immediately. Immediately. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent. Now I want to highlight that, okay? The reason I highlight that is three times in the first four verses of chapter 3, he specifically says, The serpent. Let me give you a little insight here. This same Yehu named the serpent, he's still on this earth. And he still does the exact same things that he tried to do to Eve. And he plays mind games with us. He tries to put pictures in our mind. He tries to get us off any way he can, okay? He's still here. And understand, he's not your friend The serpent right here is not a Hollywood figure that goes around poking people in the rump. The devil or the the serpent that he talks about in 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, your opponent, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeing who may devour. That's what he wants to do. He wants to devour us. So in verse 4 he said, Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, I want to highlight that right there. He's telling her, you'll be like God. You'll be like a God, knowing good and evil. Not knowing just good, but knowing good and evil. So what he begins to do here, he begins to try to deceive her. And how he does it. He starts questioning the things of God. And I will tell you tonight, don't listen to the devil, okay? He's a liar. 
And he does try to try to put stuff into our mind and tries to get us to picture things we shouldn't look at. Years ago, I heard this and it said this, that how was your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you been going steady with the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? Break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he wants to do is ride your back. He'll get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you like a dirty old hound. Cast down those thoughts that the devil brings. Use your shield of faith and you'll always win. Don't treat the thought like it never came, but cast it down in Jesus' name. Now, most of what I just said there is biblical. That's 1 Corinthians 10. Cast those thoughts down. When there are thoughts that come against you that don't line up with the Word of God, that's why it's important we know the Word of God. You look and say, that's not a God. The second area is he said, pick up your shield of faith and you'll always win. That's Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18, where all that's found at. And so again, those are things that me and you as believers have a right to do. So in this passage here, He goes after her. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant, the eyes of the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, what happens a lot of times is mankind tries to blame Eve for all this. But I believe this with all my heart right here. The real issue was God told Adam in Genesis 1.28, you subdue it and you have dominion. And because Adam didn't exercise the dominion that God gave him, the devil went crazy. And so again in my own life, when I look at this, I can sit around day after day and I can bellyache and I complain and I can say, God, do something about it. Or I can begin to understand He's given me authority too. He's given us authority in the name of Jesus. How do I know that as a New Testament believer? Well, in James 4, 7, it says, submit to God. The way I'm submitted to God is when I read his word, just like with Adam. He said, stay in within these perimeters and your life will be well. If you get outside of them, it won't. So we are to submit to God. And once I'm submitted to God, James 4, 7 says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, there's nowhere in that scripture that says, yell up to God and say, God, you got to do something about the devil. He said, you resist him, and he'll flee from you. So again, as believers, I couldn't resist him if I didn't have the authority and the ability Now, you may not like this, and there's times I don't like it. I whine and pout about it, but I will hear the Lord say stuff to me. When things aren't going right in my life, things aren't going right in my home, you know what the the Lord will say? Quit putting up with it, buddy. Quit putting up with it. I've given you authority. Now, understand this again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities' powers. Understand, it's demonic entities that according to Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, you read it. Actually, it's Ephesians 6, 12. And it names all of them. But I'm no match for any of them. But Jesus and the authority that I have in the name of Jesus are. 
And so again, we've got to begin to hear this and see this. Now, go with me to the book of John, chapter 3. What happens here, guys, is understand the devil needed mankind to gain entry into this earth. He couldn't come here without getting into mankind. And so he does that with Adam and Eve. And because what he did, he got their authority. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age... Write this scripture down, okay? If you don't believe me. I want you to see it anyhow. The God of this age has blinded mankind's eyes. If you will look at that verse, when it says or spells God, it spells it little g-o-d. It doesn't say big G, Yahweh. It says little g. The God of this age has blinded the minds of people. And he still does those things right there. And so even with me and you, I've got to get to the place where I don't allow him to do that. uh-uh. You're not going to blind my eyes. I'm, I'm going to see the truth and I'm going to live by the truth. And again, if we don't ever understand the truth, we don't understand our authority, he's going to run over me, okay? John 3. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, our teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I can't limit the kingdom to God to only heaven. And the kingdom of God comes right here on the inside of me when I get born again. So watch what Jesus goes on to do here in verse 4. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water. What does that mean? He's born to a natural mother when a woman's water breaks. And I don't understand that stuff, and I don't want to understand it, okay? That stuff messes with my little head, so bless you ladies. You're a lot tougher than I'd ever be. The only way that mankind has legal entry in this earth is, number one, you got to be born of a mother. So guess what? We're all here legally. How can I prove that to you? That's why Jesus was born of Mother Mary, for him to enter this earth legally. This guy, this serpent, the devil, he's not here legally, he's here illegally. Donald Trump needs to build a wall for his rear too. Okay. All right. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born in the water, and, and... The spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So I'm here legally because I'm born of a mother. But the way I enter the kingdom of God legally, and this is the only way this can happen, is I must be born again or born of the spirit. Acts 4.12 specifically says, There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved but at the name of Jesus. So it's very, very important. Number one, we're all born legally here, okay? But 
it's very important that we give our heart to Jesus. And the reason it's so important that I give my heart to Jesus, because that's the way I get here legally. Now understand this, when Adam was born here on earth, he had no sin. So he comes from life to death. Spiritually, he was alive and then he sinned, so he goes life to death. So Jesus comes on the scene, he dies, he takes our place, and because what Jesus did, he reverses the process. When me and you are born onto this earth, we're born sinners. We're born dead spiritually. So we go from death to life because of Jesus. And not only does that happen, then he says, okay, fellas, I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to give you my authority. Now, a couple of scripture you can write down. I'm just going to quote it for time's sake. Luke 10, verses 17. The 70 disciples came back and they said, Lord Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Then in verse 17, 18, you get to verse 19. Jesus looks and says, I've given you authority to, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. So that same serpent that was in Genesis 3, Jesus now says in Luke 10, I've given you guys authority. But not only have I given you that, I've given you that authority over all the power of the enemy. Was Jesus bluffing? Was he No. No. And so part of the issue has become, I don't believe the body of Christ. We understand the authority we have. And it's not in anything. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. But not only do I speak the name of Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus in faith. I believe when that happens, if we could see in the spiritual realm, when a believer understands his faith that that comes in the name of Jesus, it paralyzes the kingdom of darkness. They hate when a believer understands his authority. And so there's times I encourage you, feed on the word of God. Understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Tell the devil, shut up. You shut up in the name of Jesus. And there's times you're going to have to get mad and say, "Uh uh-uh. You have no right being here. Go to the book of Matthew 8. Matthew 8, and I'm going to give you an idea here of how our authority works here on earth. Matthew chapter 8. I told you this was going to be good. I tell you, this stuff will set you free. And, and, and like I told you, there's times in my life I will hear the Lord say to me, don't put up with that. Don't put up with that. And so I'll begin to use my authority in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something that happened on Sunday morning. We come to the first service, and if you were here, the first service was just wonderful, wonderful flow of God. People were ministered to and everything, and so... I go into the second service, and I said, hey, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be S-O-G-O-O-D good. So, so good, Lord. And it was like we hit a wall, just bang, bang. I mean, even in the praise and worship, when I got up to preach, it was so difficult. It was so hard. I cut scriptures. I don't do that very often. I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, what is this? I can't get out of it. And so on the way home, I'm driving home, and I'm like, Lord, what happened? What happened? And he said, you didn't use your authority. You didn't use your authority. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And so what happened that day? And I don't mean this ugly at all, but we had baby dedication and there were people that were in here. They weren't here to hear, they weren't here to hear the word of God. They were here to, to, to dedicate little junior. 
And when the word of God went forth, there was such resistance. It was like hitting a wall and coming back. And the Lord said to me, he said, I've given you authority. Don't put up with that junk. And I was like, I know that, Lord. I know that. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Anything that comes against me, Lord, you said you would condemn it. And so, man, I got to exercise my authority in the name of Jesus. And, oh, man, I had to repent. I said, Lord, I know better than that. That's too busy. You know what I said to the Lord? I said, Lord, I was busy all weekend. I was at the marriage retreat. And he said, you sure had time to eat a lot, didn't you? And I said, I did. And I'm telling you guys, that's how he'll talk to me. Just like that. I, yes. yes. Matthew 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, a Roman military officer, came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, the reason I'm going to highlight this, this man, this centurion, was not a Jew. He was Roman. What that meant was in their custom He wasn't legally supposed to come to Jesus. But I'll highlight something in verse 6 that will qualify why he came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, Lord. So the reason he was able to come to Jesus was because even though he wasn't a Jew, he had given his heart to Jesus and Jesus was Lord of his life. And that's the same as me and you. When we receive Jesus as Lord of our, of our, our life and say, I honor you as my Lord, then something happens that he says, come on, guys, come on. I want to do for you the same things that I do for the Jews. So we jump to verse 8. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is, this is powerful that we get a hold of this right here because this centurion, he understood power and authority right here. He knew when he said, Jesus, all you got to do is speak a word and it will happen. So literally, how that reads into me and you's life is I use the name of Jesus. And it's like he comes running right there when he hears us use his name. So we jump to verse 9. For I also am a man under authority. And I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, you go and he goes. And another come and he comes. And to my servant does this and he does it. So he's literally telling Jesus. He said, listen Lord, I know you're busy. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. And so when I I read this and I begin to look at it, he says, I understand authority. That I say to this soldier, you do this and he does it. And when a, a, a military officer says that, he doesn't say, just do it if you want. If you feel like it, go ahead and do it. When a military officer says it, it is an order. And so understand, when we speak in the name of Jesus, it becomes an order To whatever we begin to speak to. So again, there is life, there is power, there is an authority. But it's got to be spoken out of your mouth. 
Even in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. And what is the power in this when it comes to faith? If you'll notice here, he doesn't question Jesus at all. If you read into that, this centurion, it's as a matter of fact. And it was like, Jesus, when you speak it, he'll be healed. And so oftentimes in our lives, when we speak it, we almost are like this. Oh, gosh, I hope this works. But again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more I read the word of God and I study Jesus' life and what happens when a believer uses the name of Jesus, authority just starts rising. Authority starts rising. Authority starts rising. And it's the same for every one of this. Oh, goodness. Get to verse 10. So when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, And surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I have to ask myself this question. How did this centurion, this Gentile, this Roman officer, have that kind of faith? He understood authority. Not only did he understand authority, he understood how it operated. And that's the same with me and you. I come to the place where I realize I have authority in the name of Jesus. Not over people, but over all the power of the devil. And so I don't care where you're at. If the devil starts messing, don't put up with it. Starts messing with your marriage, don't put up with it. He starts messing around you at work, don't go to the person and say, I'm going to stress the devil out of you. He'll look at you like you're a nut. I can do things quietly at times and just say that. Now, let me, let me share this with you. Oh, boy, i got to tell you this story real quick, and then I'll end. Years ago, I had a job where a couple of times a week, they'd make you go out, and you had to go collect. And people that wouldn't pay their water bill, you'd have to go in there and say, hey, you pay or I'm going to cut you. Well, that was part of the job I had. Well, there was a restaurant in the city I lived in, and I'm, I'm telling you, the lady who owned that restaurant, she was the wicked witch of the east, the west, the north, the south. She, oh. And if you got her, her, her account, you'd almost freak out and you'd say, oh, God, I don't want to go see her. She'd just be ruthless to you. I mean, she could cuss better than any sailor, I promise you. So one day I look and I got her order. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And the Lord said to me, he said, don't put up with that junk. A woman that is that evil and that ugly to people, she's full of the devil. Understand this, the devil just comes through, just manifests through her. So again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So I realize, here's this ugly woman, but the woman's not ugly. It's the influence the devil's putting on her. So I thought, all right. So I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, I take authority over you spirits that drive that woman. And I said, in Jesus, you won't manifest when I come walking in there. And then it's like, there's a new sheriff in town. It's the name of Jesus. So I go strolling in, and man, I'd prayed, and I walked in, and oh, just the love of God, I was very kind to her, and I said, here's the deal. She raises up, and I mean, she looks at me, and so, you know, I didn't, in the whole restaurant, say, hey, listen, guys, in Jesus' name, no, right there under my breath, in the name of Jesus, I said, you won't manifest with me here. And so, things were very busy and everything, and I said, listen, ma'am, I want to help you. I said, I'm not here to, to hurt you, okay? I'll work with you. I said, 
can you pay that? And she looked at me and she said, if you can give me after the lunch, I'll pay you. So I said, okay. So I came back after lunch and I came in there and sure enough, she was very kind, wrote the check and everything worked out. Well, all the rest of the guys that worked with me, they were terrified to go in there. So I thought, well, I'll just use this to my advantage. When they would get it, I'd say, let me have that. I said, I'll go and do that for you if you'll buy me lunch. And I figured out real quick, you know what? I've got authority. She doesn't have to do that stuff in my life in the name of Jesus. Now, again, understand, I'm not dealing with people. I'm dealing with the spirits behind that. But he's given me dominion. So we go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. And I look and I think, if Adam would have exercised the authority and the dominion that the Lord gave him, he would have never been in that predicament. And it's easy for us to point our finger and say, oh, Adam, he, he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. But what about me? What about you as a believer? See, I've been given the same authority. Jesus said, I give, and Luke 10, I give you authority, boys and girls. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.